0: Today we're gonna to, we're gonna introduce Jesus the man. So let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. Lord, I thank you that you want us to know you more. That your invitation is to to come into your presence, pass all distractions, pass all objects of worship, just to come into your presence. So thank you for that invitation today. Thank you that you're calling us, always calling us, and you call us by name. You call us unto yourself. So, Father, we thank you for that. So, Father, I ask that you would empty me of me. That you would come and speak your words, your hearts, and your purposes, and everything that you have for us today. But please empty me of me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please excuse my uh, voice today. It's really... Really not there, but we 're going to try to get through this fifty years ago. I walked into a church for the very first time and i 've shared parts of this story before. I had never been into a church before, I did not even know the what the word "church meant I had no concept of it. So I walked into a kid 's crusade, a vacation bible school type event, and was totally blown away by, by many things, just the fact that there was there were people playing games, there, was, there were songs being sung, words I didn't understand. There were people truly happy to see me there. Really, kind of an unknown notion to me that actually someone was happy to see me, me. Coming from a home of abuse that, you know, I, I didn't know that people want, actually wanted to see me. They wanted to, to, to actually be with me. And expressed some kind of kindness towards me. But, most of all, was this wonderful story that I heard. This wonderful story about a man who was God. Who loved people so desperately. He came to die for them on a cross. Had no idea what a cross was. On a cross for their sins. Had no idea what sins was. But this story intrigues me. This story captivated me. It drew me in. This story captured my attention. And the heart of a man captured my heart. See, I didn't fall in love with a doctrine that day. I didn't fall in love with a set of rules. I fell in love with a person. This was a man who said he loved me. Man, Jesus. It totally changed my life. I fell in love with a man. As I grew, I understood, began to understand what sin was. and began to understand what the cross was and, and what my response to that cross should be. But right then, that night, I gave my heart to a man who loved me. It wasn't doctrine that saved me. It wasn't a rule that saved me. It was love. That saves me. See, the incarnation is important. The incarnation, which means to take on flesh, is huge. This is a tremendous gift of love by Father God. See, I am so glad that John 3.16 does not say this. For God so loved the world that he sent a new doctrine. That he sent a new way for man to get themselves in line. Oh, I'm so glad he doesn't say that. But God so loved the world that he gave himself to us. Born in the flesh. Wrapped in humanity. God became man. He put on skin for us. Flesh and blood for us. That story captivated my young heart. And it still does. When I get unsettled, when I get disturbed to a point where I don't know what is up or what is down, the thing that settles me the most is that Jesus loves me. This I know. What the Holy Bible tells me so This is what I understand about the heart of Father God. The Incarnation is this great demonstration of how far God will go to tell His people He loves them and to redeem them so to understand the humanity of Jesus Christ is huge to understand his divinity is huge we have to these things have to be discovered and understand together if you stress his humanity you become a jehovah witness if you stress his divinity you become a christian scientist we need to understand them together because Christ is one person with two natures. He is one person with two na- uh, natures. It, this is called the hypostatic union. Okay, this is a theological term. But it's a beautiful term because it helps us try to understand these two natures. These two natures are complete. And they each have the capacity for experiences, experiences, and actions. And expressions. The two nations are united, but they, without mixing, without confusion, without separation or division. They are separate, yet they act as a unit in the one person of Jesus. Paul says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Jesus is the most perfect human being that ever lived on this planet. He is what humanity is supposed to look like. His relationship with God is what humanity is supposed to be able to have and enjoy and express. That's what Jesus does for us. Although Jesus was and filled and expressed humanity, he did not possess the same fallen human nature as we do. He was without sin, the Bible says. Part of this reason is because sin was not God did not create us as sinners. But because of the fall, because of the the fall in the garden, humanity became deformed. It became flawed. And the way that Christ came was to show us how that humanity could be redeemed in relationship with Father God. This is one of the reasons we, we need to understand His humanity. Because I believe the way that Jesus lives out his humanity on on the earth gives me hope. It gives me hope for my own humanity. That I'm not a lost cause. That I have purpose. That I'm not a curse. The redemptive power of Jesus shows me that it is possible that I can live out the promise that he says I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. It shows me that that is possible even in my Humanity. I have a question. Why do you think it's important to understand Jesus, the man? Why do you think it's important? And I am asking for an answer. But I mean, this is not rhetorical. and children do And this was someone who was modeling me to invent their others. Anybody else? Uh, someone who is has strength. And our firm foundation uh, knows what we're going through, has experienced everything we've experienced, um, and yet is a source of uh, comfort and encouragement and strength and life. Amen. I think it's also Those are great. And they fit right in line with everything I already shared and what I'm about to share, too. They're all true. One other reason I think is because because God he thought it was important to wrap himself in skin. He chose to take his uncontainable nature and put it inside a human frame in flesh and blood. And as crazy as it sounds, that is the only way salvation could have worked. In John fourteen six, it says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, if Jesus is the way, if he is the truth, and he is life, shouldn't we pursue him with everything that we are? Let me ask you another question. Does Jesus have a personality? Does he? You do. I do. And we are made in his image, right? We are made in God's image. So, we have a personality. And so does Jesus. Do we see that personality shown in the Gospels? It doesn't, it doesn't come out and say that Jesus was an extrovert. It doesn't come out and say that Jesus was the strong, silent type. But, but the stories of the Gospels show oh, that Jesus lived life to the fullest. It shows his personality through his interactions with people throughout the stories of the Gospel. This was a real man. This is a man... Who had a job. He knew what it was like to work. This is a man who traveled a lot. Jesus got around. This is a man who had friends. This is a man who had enemies. This is a man who got hungry. Ate food. This is a man who sweated. This is a man who cried. This was a man who even got angry. Quite a few times. This is a man who was astonished. What matter of faith does this man have? He was astonished, the Bible says. You mean Jesus got surprised? Wait a minute, he's God. Remember those two natures? It says in Luke that he grew in wisdom and stature. Well, wait a minute. Jesus grew? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and it says in John that he knew all things. The two natures is, is important, but the understanding who this man is, who is was hearted and he was fierce. He hung with outcasts and he, and he hung out with the elite. And he showed no partiality. This was a man who was betrayed, beaten, and basically drowned in his own blood on the cross. This was a real man. Jesus was human. So the things that you've shared about. Being a model, being an example, having someone who knew what it was like to be human. Jesus did. I will, especially that Jesus already knew that because he was God, but he came to show us that he was going to go to whatever extent that it would take to redeem our own humanity. So Jesus had this, this wonderful personality. He was a man who felt deep emotions. Deep emotions. But he was able to rule over those emotions. He felt them deeply, but they did not have control over him. They did not sway his behavior. They did not cause him to bail on his relationships with people or with God. He wrestled with the enemy and the enemy's propaganda in the wilderness for 40 days. Conversations and debates with religious leaders. And especially in the garden... He faced great temptations, but refused to bow to, to lesser things. Hebrews 5.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So as we introduce this man to, to ourselves again, can we go to Matthew 4, please? And let's read the, the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. What do you think the enemy is tempting Jesus with? Right here. What do you think he's tempting him with? Physical need? To be his own provider. To be his own provider? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. Certainly his hunger, his physical hunger. Certainly his health, his well-being. This man was hungry. He spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. This man is at the end of his physical strength. Jesus was a strong man. Jesus says, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and sent him on the prin- pinnacle of the temple and said to him, "If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written." Again, the gall of the enemy to use scripture here is just amazing to me. He will command his angels concerning you, and on the other on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You yeah, think the enemy is trying here to tempt Jesus with it. even using scripture? What is he trying to get to tempt Jesus with? Testing God's faithfulness? I think he's testing Jesus' very relationship with Father God. I think he's trying to say, are you going to bail on God right now? Are you going to test His goodness? Do you not believe in this goodness? That what the scriptures are true? Do You want to test them to see if they're right? You're going to have to test God to see if he's all right? I think he's tempting Jesus' very relationship with the Father. Jesus <laughs> said to them again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Now what is Satan trying to get? So, tempted with authority and power. Is he appealing to Jesus' pride here? Is he trying to see if he could stir up a lust for, for power and authority? As if Jesus had none? Anticipations. Want to expound on that? Um, I'm thinking that Jesus is God and knows how the story ends in the very end. That everything is restored unto him. So, are you willing to wait for that or... Do you want to have it right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satan is really trying hard to trip Jesus up because this is big here. He gets Jesus here and the whole plan goes down the drain. Just tempted to put Jesus with power and authority. So what does Jesus say? Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left them, and behold, angels came and were mis- ministering to him. Why were angels coming to minister to Jesus? Because he, he needed it. This man just showed authority in commanding the devil to leave him. And then he had to have angels come minister. Why? Because he was so weak. He needed ministering to. I found that immensely comforting. Here's the key that I want you to remember out of this story today. When Jesus was tempted, he showed us how to do something. He showed us how to handle temptation in our own life, with our own humanity. And Jesus never once flexed his God's muscle. Never once. He didn't use his divinity there. He used his relationship with the Father God. He relied on God's Word and God's goodness. That's what we need to do when we're tempted. Rely on God's Word and God's goodness faith in God's goodness that no matter what we're going through if the answer is not forthright if prayers don't see the beginning answer do we bail on God and what his word says and what his promises are and try to work things out in our way and in our strength that's what that story is about Jesus never once flexed his God muscles there he shows us how to handle temptation in our own humanity oh man isn't that freedom? Can we, get, can we understand that a little bit better today? And realize that you know, temptation is not this thing that has the final say in our lives. We have the final say. We can say to, to the enemy, be gone. Jesus said, the same authority that I have, I give unto you. This is this wonderful man who allowed himself. <laughs> Jesus doesn't hide any of his weaknesses any of the times that he needed ministering any of the times that he needed friends we're going to explore more and more stories in the weeks ahead Jesus needed friends Jesus relied on his friends Jesus wanted his friends to be close Jesus got hungry Jesus got mad he was fierce when he cleared out the temple he was fierce he wasn't just shooing people away he made a weapon this is the wonderful Messiah that we're going to discover more about. But I want us to remember today, and I feel like the Father wants us to remember today, that God, through Jesus, has shown us how to live as human beings on this planet. This frame that we walk around, though, is weak, and it gets sick, and it gets weary, and it gets tired, and it gets beat up. And so did Jesus. And this is why we can be more than a conqueror because of Him, because of His example. Because of what he modeled. What he showed us. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk more and more about his humanity, And then we're going to explore his divinity and what, what those two natures together do for us. This is a wonderful invitation to know Jesus more. Jesus wants to model. Jesus wants to show us. Jesus wants to, uh, for us to understand what he did so that we know what to do. But this is more, it's more than that. It's, more, it's inviting us into his presence. So because we know him, because we we know him deeper and more intimately, we'll know how to do those things. Because we're so close to him. His words are so close to our ears. And we become more childlike. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for expressing your love towards us. Thank you for wanting us to understand you more. So I pray for all of us, Father, as we as we leave today, we remember that we can face temptation the way that you face it. With authority, with assurance, knowing who you are. We could trust in you. We could trust in your word. We can trust in your promises. And these are the things that we declare. That we trust in you. We trust in your word. We trust in your promises. Because you're a God who loves us desperately. And we thank you for this. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.